And so rather than feeling like I need to catch up with something, I can start to look at my body from a lens of this resilient and adaptable thing that I can start to shift at any time. And that this is the beauty of the body is it's never the same in any moment. It's constantly changing on a cellular level. It's constantly changing. And so my capacity here is to take a hold of that steering wheel and decide which way do I want that change to go. Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where today I'm joined by the founder of yoga medicine, Tiffany Cruikshank. Tiffany is an international yoga teacher and wellness expert known for fusing the two worlds of Eastern and Western medicine together to help professional athletes, celebrities, and normal people alike create more vibrant lives. So Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Max. Super excited to have you. So one thing that has become super apparent from your work is this incredible mind-body connection and that we can't thrive in life without optimizing both the mind and the body. So can you share with us why we need a little more holistic view and well-being and how to actually get there? I love that. Such a great place to start. I think for me, it's such a great reminder, both as a yoga teacher and a healthcare provider, um, reminding people that, that we have the power to shift our health, I think is such an important reminder. We tend to be overwhelmed sometimes by not only the stressors of our lives or our, our current health situation, but to remember that we always have that opportunity to shift things. And, and for me, yoga is, is, is one of many ways. Of course, there's so many different ways that we can intervene in our health and wellness. But for me, it's such an important part of that because it looks at so many different facets of our health. And um, one of the things I think is most interesting uh, about yoga as a holistic health tool is, is really its capacity to create what, what I call the foundation of wellness so that uh, through this mindfulness and, and through a lot of the practices, which is a deeper discussion, but from a big picture perspective, it allows us to be more, more aware of what's happening in the body so that we can better navigate some of those changes. I call this the, the owner's manual, learning the owner's manual of our body and and a lot of that, from a yoga perspective, comes from a, a deep listening of being able to listen and notice and be less reactive and more responsive and being able to kind of notice the, the connections uh, in order to navigate our health and wellness better. Because, you know, when it comes to Western medicine, a lot of it is, is, is brilliant at keeping us alive. But when it comes to really optimizing our, our health and wellness, it really takes a more fine-tuned fine approach to how we look at our health and wellness and how we look at the body and the mind and, and being able to kind of really play with the subtleties. And it really requires us to have a deeper understanding of what's there. So uh, I think in, in many ways, yoga provides that, that foundation for our health and wellness through, through the listening for sure. One, one thing I love about your work is you, you're really famous for, for fusing those Eastern and Western approaches, the sort of sports medicine background, and at the same time, this, this whole tradition of Chinese medicine and, and yoga. So what have you learned about really combining these approaches and, and sort of getting the both out of, best of both worlds? I love that. Yeah, I think... For me, I, I grew up in a very um, traditional family, and I know for a long time, you know, they were always so um, 
confused about what I did. <laughs> I was definitely the the uh, black sheep of the family, the the kind of going in a new way. And my parents were always very confused about that. So I think for me, it's always been um, trying to bring these tactics down to earth and, and make them relevant. And I love that science and research really helps us understand a lot of these Eastern approaches and, and deeper understanding of our, of our health and wellness. So for me, it's about combining them. And I really believe that if, you know, the yoga teacher's 300 or a thousand years ago or whatever it might have been had known about anatomy and physiology that they would have incorporated that as well so it, it makes sense uh, for us to be able to incorporate them and and all that we know from science and research and for me it's really about being able to individualize the practice so as i get a deeper understanding of who this person is and their unique body mind physiology and really <laughs> There's my dog. <laughs> then I can really start to individualize it for them. So otherwise, I'm just I'm just going through a cookie cutter approach of being able to. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> of being able to to try and try and offer one thing for everyone, which I I think one yoga class. You know, if we go through the motions of of a, a generic yoga class, I think it it can be helpful, but. What I really like and what really fascinates me is being able to decode the individual, of being able to recognize this person's unique constitution and makeup, which is both their, their DNA and their anatomy and physiology, as well as their environment and how that's impacting them over time, and really be able to apply these practices to meet their uni unique needs, which might obviously change a lot over the years. And so... For me, the science and the research really helps to inform that. It gives these different layers and perspectives of who this person is in a more three-dimensional view rather than just back pain or, <laughs> or tight hamstrings or you know, genetic predispositions even or diagnoses um, so that I can really get a, a, a better picture, a more detailed picture of what, who this person is and what they need. Yeah, that's really so fascinating how you can really look at an individual and figure out what does that person need rather than sort of taking this generic approach. And so you mentioned before being being sort of this this black sheep in your family, right? I, I think I read somewhere that you're actually a really, really good tennis player until the age of 14 and then started this whole yoga practice. So, so can you share about like where did that fascination come from? Yeah, gosh, I think about that a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I did play competitive tennis. I, I ran quite a bit. I also grew up from a very young age um, doing ballet. And so I, I definitely have the physicality in my in my body. And it was one of the things that drew me into yoga. But I think what what keeps a lot of people hanging around is is the layers, you know, there's more there, where, you know, uh, and, and that could be for, you know, supporting our physical body, our, our physiology, our, our mental body. We know there's a lot of psychology, both in health and wellness and, and um, performance, whether that's work or athletics. But for me, it was really being able to use this lens of yoga to navigate over the past few decades, all of the, all of the different circumstances. And so, um, yeah, I think the physicality drew me in initially, you know, being someone who was competitive and, and liked to compete physically. Uh, but then yoga kind of took a totally different lens because as if as anyone who's ever done yoga before, we, we kind of pull that out of it and, and really try and take away the, the competition to be able to see what's there and, 
And again, this kind of this deeper listening to be able to to navigate whether that's, you know, working with professional athletes, which I, I really enjoy doing as well, um, and really optimizing their performance, or whether that's um, working with uh, corporate executives and optim- optimizing efficiency, you know, the, the same is true. And, and what I love about working with professional athletes is it's really about optimizing to the deepest level yeah. both performance and both physical and mental capacity and so you know it, it's i always say you know everyone's an athlete it's not like yoga for athletes is just for athletes it's really just about taking a fine you know fine look at a really deep look at what's happening so that you know we're getting the most out of our lives and getting the most out of our health and wellness is is really about optimizing our experience in our lives and how we feel and how we interact and how we relate with the world and and what we often call in, in research are our quality of life, which to me is everything, whether you're an athlete or an executive or um, a mom or just a human. <laughs> yeah. I th- yeah, I think that's such an important point that, that really there's so many different benefits depending on, on what you're trying to do. So I, I for example, did um, competitive running for, for 10 years. I ran cross country, track and field. And so one of the practices we oftentimes did after really hard workouts was we would go to this yoga class together as a group of guys and just just all, you know, do the stretching out and the relaxation and the breathing. And, you know, I knew when it was successful because, you know, sometimes the, the guys next to me would, would just lay down at the end of the yoga mat and you'd hear like this guy snoring and that guy snoring, you know, like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Make a little <Yeah>. relaxed. <laughs> Maybe a little too much. Um, but so, so now I really, I really truly feel the, the positive impact from that. Yeah. So one of, one of the ideas that you talk about, I really love is that this, this idea that when life changes, yoga can change with us. Yeah. So that we can really yeah, use it. I'm- yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's really just about having a, a purposeful approach and, and being able to a, approach it with this lens of being clear on what my purpose is. I think a lot of people get distracted in yoga by trying to touch their toes or trying to make a pose look a certain way or even trying to feel a certain way. And I think for me, what's really interesting as as a as someone who really appreciates health and wellness is is the outcomes of it, being able to really approach it with a, with a purpose in mind. And, and that can be really general. It might just be, gosh, I've been sitting at my desk all day and I need to move or I need yeah. to feel a little bit better in my body, or it can be really specific, like with athletes, or um, it could be focused on recovery if I've just gone for a run. And it's really cool how it's starting to show up more and more in sports, uh, sports medicine and recovery. And you know, we see a lot of that in the fascial research now on the connective tissue and, and the implications now looking at, you know, a, a lot of what, um, a lot of the sports injuries that we're looking at, there was a, there's a big paper that came out at the end of 2019, um, looking at the implications of a lot of our, our, our sports injuries are actually happening in the connective tissue. And, and, you know, I'm pulling the implications into yoga now and, and really looking at, we have a lot of really specific work that we train our teachers in really looking at how do we maintain the health of the connective tissue, which yoga can be really, really helpful. And and I think you, it sounds like, and many other athletes have experienced this as well. And I used to, um, I actually ran the the Chinese medicine. I created and ran the Chinese medicine program at Nike and taught the athletes there. And, and yeah, I think at first it's, it's in my experience working with athletes is, 
just kind of learning some of the movements and some of the kind of foundational elements of yoga, like non-competition, which is hard for athletes, right? They come into yoga and they they still want to do it right and do it well. Um, But once I think athletes, even beyond the science and the research, once they've experimented with yoga a little bit, even just a, a little bit, it's hard to deny the impacts both on how they feel most notably and, and how they recover for, yes. for athletes who are training really regularly. Yes, Virginia, I love this. I've, I've had anyone from, you know, NF, from NFL stars to uh, professional wrestlers that, that got into yoga on the show um, and really massively benefited from it. So, so I absolutely love that. So you mentioned some of, some of these things like, like this aspect of non-competition. So what are some other elements, especially in, in terms of, sort of the mental approach to yoga that that people can benefit from? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, well, for me, and and this is great for listeners too, because regardless of of where you practice or what style of yoga you like, or if you've never done yoga, or if you're new to yoga, or you've been doing it for a long time, I think one of the universal um, components of yoga that's really, really paramount, really important is this idea of non-judgment, which which feeds into the non-competition. But you know, we all come into this practice as as humans naturally wanting to notice the experience in the tissues, and then our brain goes right into translating translating that. What does that mean? What do I do about it? How do I change it? How do I get it better? And you know, when we look at health and, and human performance and wellness, that's our natural tendency. And what what we see though is it kind of takes us down this this more, um, I guess you could say more sympathetic mode of doing and creating yeah. and changing, which, which sometimes can create more resistance and more stress than just the noticing our, our capacity to be able to not have to interpret and not have to judge, but to be in this more neutral zone. Like I, I've worked a lot with, with football players and, and it's a, it's a challenging one, you know, with professional football players too, of, of being able to both be really active, but also be neutral this ability to be non-judgmental and um in in some of the more successful nfl players that i've worked with i think that was one of the keys to their game was being able to have that um neutrality and and we see this in sports we see this in um in business and life whatever that might be that neutrality allows us to have a less reactive less emotional stance so that we can see more clearly and it allows us not only in our, our health and wellness to navigate that without being, you know, torn by the emotions, which, which clouds our, our vision to be able to see what's actually happening, um, as well as in whether that's uh, exercise or sports or, or business. So I think this, this non-judgment is, is a simple thing, but it's not easy, right? Because we go to a yoga class and the first thing we do is maybe we bend over and we have this like fixation on touching our toes maybe or maybe it's another pose maybe that's easy for you and it's something else uh, but every every body has its limitations and when we look at the body from an anatomy standpoint we realize that that tension is actually a positive thing it actually is what holds us up this connective tissue this idea of of it being a, a tension distributing system is actually a good thing so you know we can dig deeper into all the science behind all the different components of that but from a big picture perspective um, I think the non-judgment is one of the most important components because it allows us to see more clearly and, and navigate whatever 
um, circumstance, uh, maybe fighting or sad or elated or whether that's business or sports or, or whatnot, it allows us to kind of see more clearly, I think, uh, in the process. So I think that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And I definitely want to dive deeper into that later. Also, in, in combination with meditation um, that you also talk about, uh, but from, I'm really curious, like how has your own practice evolved over time? I mean, I know you started out at 14, really jumped into the whole field. So how has it evolved over time, your daily practice? Oh, gosh, it's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I think when, I mean, I started when I was really young. So for me, the physicality was really interesting and it, it challenged me. If it, if it wasn't yoga, I think I would have been doing some other physical um, challenge or sport of of some sort. And so you know, I, I, I did all sorts of crazy postures, but it was, it was important for me in that time. And if you actually go to India now, it's kind of how it's one of the, one of the only ways and the main ways that yoga is used still because it's changed a lot. There is, is really more as a form of discipline for kids, wow. <laughs> a positive form of discipline. So you'll see them doing it in schools sometimes. Um, so the decision board is like self-discipline and self-control, non-judgment and all that, or? Yeah, discipline in the positive sense, right? So you'll see them kind of like counting the poses and everyone's doing it very precisely uh, together rather than what we see more in the U.S. where, you know, it's, it's more of a, a personal experience of listening and, and finding what works for you. And, um, but but I, think, I think the beauty of yoga is that it evolves to suit the needs of our, our lives, of the decades of our lives. If we're open to that, right? Other than kind of forcing it to be a certain way, we can use it as a tool to really navigate our experience and, and shift both, you know, how we feel and maybe our health outcomes as well as our, our quality of life and, and our experience in our lives. So um, yeah, definitely much more active. I did all sorts of crazy stuff. You can probably find all sorts of pictures on the internet of, of crazy extreme yoga poses. And then um, you know, in my thirties, I was, I was seeing a lot of patients and, um, working a lot and, and running a lot of teacher trainings. And, uh, for me, it became more, it kind of transitioned into more of a tool, um, for self-care and really navigating that side of things. And now in my forties, just really appreciating it as a, as a, as a form of medicine. And it's, it's not a cure-all, right? It's not, I think yeah. sometimes on the internet, we can look and we can see yoga poses for this and yoga poses for that. And it kind of has this feeling of being a cure-all. And I, I definitely don't see it as that. I feel like it's just one of many facets of our health and wellness that we can use. But um, again, like I mentioned before, it's this, the foundation of that is, is the noticing. It's the non-judgment. It's the being able to navigate by learning the owner's manual of our body and then now we start to put that together with some of the research of, of how it affects our physiology and how it affects our nervous system, how it affects mental health. And um, for me, you know, when I was younger, it, it really helped me uh, regulate hormones and digestion and acne in my younger years. Yeah. And then, you know, as I got older, I, I, had, a, I had a herniated disc and I, I used it a lot for that and heartbreak and ADD and all sorts <laughs> of things to support my health over the years. And that's what I love about it is that it can be so much to so many things, so many different people. If I can use that non-judgmental approach to really navigate what's, um, what's helpful for me, what do I actually need? Not this, like, for instance, I think a lot of people come to yoga or even let's just say fitness in general, we know the benefits of fitness and we feel this need to like destroy ourselves and maybe deprive ourselves and push ourselves, which I think there is an important place for, 
But there's also an important place, as we know, for recovery, for nourishment, for healing. And so sometimes the hardest part is being able to be truthful with ourselves enough to really know, is today the day that I need to push myself? Or is today the day that I really need to back off and absorb and, and nourish in, in the stillness and in the introspection and the whether that's meditation or restorative practices? And, and that can be the hardest part. So I, I love really um, helping people learn and over time, I and mean, this really just comes by, by noticing, but helping people learn how to navigate that process. So to me, that's, that's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I find this such a fascinating phenomenon though, for many really competitive athletes, taking a day easy is actually the hard thing. So it's, it's the total opposite of most people, right? They like have to really force themselves to go work out. And then you have these, on the other side, these extreme athletes that just don't want to take a day off and they don't want to just sit and relax and, and take it easy for a day. And, and especially, you know, I, I came from, from that side for, for much of my life where I was like, never wanted to slow down and wanted to push every single day. And it was very much what, what you just saying here, uh, which is yeah. learning to relax and learning to take it easy and learning to just like do the yoga and focus on the breathing and the stretching and all of that. And those, those more general well-being focused things that then allow you to afterwards also do whatever it is that you're doing in a better way. Yeah, I, I think recovery, that recovery mode is a really important part of athletics. And I think it's why yoga is getting a much bigger place in sports. And I do think that's changing. Um, you know, my specialty has been sports medicine for the past 15 plus years. And I've definitely seen it change a lot. You know, at the beginning of those 15 years, a lot of my job was educating people and trying to trying to get them on board with how important recovery was. And I think in the past five years, probably uh, recovery has become more of a, a mainstay, especially in, in professional athletics. Now, obviously, that depends on the sport. You know, some sports, uh, you know, need a day of recovery every week. And some sports go through more recovery phases and, and ebbs and flows. And I think it really does depend on the sport and, and the person too, but it's clear and it's undeniable that that recovery is such a big part of, of our physical capacity as well. I often think of it like <laughs> in professional athletics, it's like, I want to go as far as I possibly can. I want to push my body as far as I possibly can without falling off the cliff. Right. Yeah. So I want to go as close to that line. And I'm, I'm really testing that. How far can I push it? And it really is. I mean, there's so many gifted athletes right now that in many ways, a lot of the, the game of professional athletes now is, is not getting injured. And then how far can you push yourself without going too far? And so kind of playing with that line. And I think we as humans, non-professional athletes, whether you're physical or not, um, we all experience that. How far can we push ourselves, whether that's work or, or physical activity? How, how far can I push myself? And then the other side of it is that recovery, it's really important. I think of it this as more of an active recovery, not active in the sense of movement, but active in the sense, you know, there's a big difference between recovering and lying on the couch yeah. and recovering and actively facilitating that recovery in my nervous system, in my connective tissues. Um, so I really love to use things like my self myofascial release with my patients and my, my yoga students, um, as well as modalities to regulate the nervous system. So the more relaxing, relaxation focused yoga practices, and there's a lot of them 
um, body scanning, yoga nidra, re restorative yoga, yin yoga, uh, meditation, even um, breath work or pranayama can be a way of facilitating the nervous system and the recovery. So, um, you know, there's a big picture of, of just balancing this in and out. So as a, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, we talk about this in a simple form as the, the yin and yang. And the yang is the more active phase of our lives and our capacity to go and do a create. And the yin is the more passive parts and our ability to nourish and restore and revitalize. And what's interesting about this is in the yin yang theory, you actually see, if you've seen the yin yang symbol, the implication is that it's constantly moving yeah. and one is turning into the other. So this recovery, this nourishment, this introspection, the stillness is actually the substance that creates <laughs> like like the the fodder for the fire like that actually creates our capacity for movement and we we do see this somewhat physiologically our capacity to digest and and restore and create atp and energy in the body is obviously the precursor for our capacity to then use that energy and move and expend it and so this energy input versus energy output is an important thing to consider whether you're an athlete or not and um and so in a big picture sense, just looking at how I manage my energy, where do I put my energy? And then when I come to a yoga practice, uh, what is my purpose? What do I need to get out of it? What do I actually need that day? Can I listen to um, that kind of deeper awareness in the body that, that perhaps tells me maybe some days to slow down and some days to push, push further, which, which is hard because sometimes it gets obscured by another human tendency, which is just to be sedentary. Right? Sometimes we just want to be lazy, which is, which is totally fine and, and doesn't need to be eliminated. And so here's that non-judgment is not necessarily trying to eliminate these things, but being able to notice them, not trying to eliminate um, that reminder of like, oh, I need re recovery today, but, but noticing it and, and being able to then steer this um, experience in our bodies. So, so yoga really ultimately is, is kind of like the toolkit to unlock your DNA, to be able to decode your mind and body. We know that our DNA is influenced by, by so many things. And so we get to take the steering wheel and start to steer that through all these different inputs um, of many different kinds, whether that's yoga or, or not. Yeah, I love this so much. And really what it speaks to me is this aspect of self-awareness of knowing our purpose, knowing what we're after, the goal, is it, you know, becoming a professional athlete and recovering actively? Is it just more you know, health and well-being? Is it losing weight? Really understanding what is that and then how do I translate it, it sort of into my daily practice, right? So what is it, how, how does my purpose translate into today and what I need to do today? So I love what he's saying here, we're really getting clear on all of these different things. Um, so I'm really curious, you know, for people listening to this right now, they're really eager to start. Oftentimes one of the, the big problems is they're just so overwhelmed because at this point there's, you know, a million and a half courses out there, a million and a half different poses. What are some of the, the tips you can give to people that really want to get started with some kind of yoga practice, but just really feel a little bit overwhelmed in the beginning? Great question. You know, I, I think in every form of, well, healthcare, as well as all the different systems of the body, one continuous theme that we see is um, the, the need to be able to uh, be continuous. So our, well, <laughs> yeah. frequency, let's say frequency over duration. So the, the capacity to repeat these things. So 
like with neuroplasticity, with the nervous system, we know that that's a really important thing. The things that we repeat are going to really have an impact on how the nervous system responds really um, in, a, in a very deep way. And we know that in, in a lot of other contexts as well, even just looking at like our capacity to create routines. So, you know, just starting with something simple, I think is really important. And whether that's medication, uh, sorry, meditation, which medication, that was a <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, but when we, when we look at meditation, you know, we see that too, that the frequency is really important. And with the physical practices as well, the, the, the frequency is more important than the duration. So one thing I always recommend to people is just finding something simple that they enjoy because if it's enjoyable, I'm going to be more likely to repeat it. Yes. And we know that the things that I can repeat have a, a much larger uh, uh, effect on our health outcomes rather than just the things we do for a week or a month, which have a very, you know, in the whole scale of our health and wellness and a big picture perspective have a very, very small impact on it. Um, but the small things we can change over time, we know are really important. So, you know, I would find just a really simple practice that you can stick with and not overthink it, but, and this is where I think it's interesting, our purpose. So, you know, a lot of my job is training yoga teachers to really understand the, the body deeply, to be able to individualize it to the person they're working with. And obviously every student's not going to have that. But if as a student, I can come to this practice with that purpose or that intention in mind, it will change how I work with my body. If I'm going, going into my practice to take care of my body versus to demolish it, or, you know, if I, if I feel like I'm, I'm coming into it to support myself versus, you know, as a way to, to kind of beat myself up, it's going to have a kind of a different outcome. And um, actually my, my second book was really, my first book was looking at all the, the physical ways that we can optimize our health, um, optimal health for a vibrant life. And so I looked at nutrition and my fast release and yoga and then um, my second book, Meditate Your Weight, was really about looking at the mindsets that limit us, not just for weight loss, but just for a healthy connection to our bodies and to our food and to this world and how we see ourselves. Because one thing I, I saw a lot in my patients, and, and not just with those struggling to lose weight, but, but those struggling with, with all sorts of different patterns, was that we get stuck in these mindsets of how we see ourselves and our, our self-limiting beliefs that we have. And you know, really looking at those. And I think what's interesting about yoga is it's not necessarily going in and, and, and marking them as bad and trying to change them, but, but turning the light to them and noticing how they influence us. And, and then we kind of naturally get to decide um, and, and change potentially some of those patterns. So I really believe just coming to your practice with a, a purpose in mind, and that may be different every day, that may be very similar every day, not only can change how you approach yourself and maybe treat yourself, but also I believe has a very real impact um, on the body and the mind. And then my nervous system goes to work starting to bring some of those changes to life. And again, the things that I can repeat more frequently have a more profound impact long-term than, than the rest. Yes, for sure. That's such an important key. So can you talk a little bit more about this idea of meditating your weight? And you also have this equation that says less stress equals less belly fat. <laughs> so, so can you share with us how, how we can use meditation really to, I mean, gain that self-awareness, gain that self-control and make better choices around what we believe and who we are and, and you know, how we act every single day? Well, I, I think we all are pretty well aware of the stress hormones like cortisol that are 
that can impact our metabolism. So we, we know that there's a very real connection to, to stress and, and, and regulating our metabolism. And I, I've got some of that research in my book too. But what, what's really interesting to me is, and this is what makes yoga really difficult to research, is that it, it also really affects a lot of our lifestyle. So as we start to notice these things, as I take away the judgment, there's less pressure. It's not like, you're a bad person. You have to change this, Tiffany. It's, oh, interesting. When I eat that, I, f- I feel that way. And then the next time it's like, oh, do I want to feel that way? Huh, you know what? Today I'm hanging out with my friends, so I'm okay with that. It'll be fun. And, and maybe the next day it's like, you know, I really don't want to feel that way today. Mm-hmm. And so it's less of a, of a, of a shaming and a, a, a negativity around my body and my health. I think a lot of us kind of have this feeling of deprivation and, and then, you know, I want to be skinnier or I want to look this way or I want to be stronger or more fit. And instead of um, what I found working with, with my patients was instead of really focusing on that, what's really more helpful is focusing on, you know, how do I want to feel? How do I want to be in the world? Is there a feeling associated with that? And how do I connect to my health and wellness as a way to support what is ultimately really powerful in my body? My body's predisposition to want to keep coming back to homeostasis, which is, you know, this idea of biological balance in the body. Um, It's constantly trying to pull us back into balance, into health. And so how do I just optimize that by supporting the body to do what it does best? You know, so decreasing stress and, and looking at the mind as a lens to my health and wellness to be able to appreciate that I can use it to support how I feel rather than to, um, again, oftentimes in the, in the fitness and nutrition world as a way to kind of deprive myself or, or beat myself up because I've made these bad choices. And so rather than feeling like I need to catch up with something, I can start to look at my body from a lens of this resilient and adaptable thing that I can start to shift at any time. And that this is the beauty of the body is it's never the same in any moment. It's constantly changing on a cellular level. It's constantly changing. And so my capacity here is to take a hold of that steering wheel and decide which way do I want that change to go, you know, and then, and as yoga, as kind of the lens, this, this non-judgmental lens, it starts to influence now how I see my food and how I see my relationships, how I see myself, uh, how I see even, you know, just simple things like, do I need to touch my toes? Like, is that important? Do I feel better if I touch my toes? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but, but now I have that empowerment of really being able to, to navigate through this non-judgmental lens as a way to support health rather than to eliminate something bad. Yeah, you, you keep mentioning this, this non-judgmental lens. I really think this is absolute key to, to life because it really is one of those, those building blocks, those keystone habits, right? That if you incorporate that and you build that, it's going to also elevate every single other area of your life because it's going to make it easier to choose the right foods. It's going to make it easier to connect well with your loved ones and your friends. It's going to make it easier to avoid the argument at work. So it really is one of those building blocks that can help you with anything um, in life. And I really find that key. And also this idea that you mentioned of self-forgiveness and self-love that, you know, when we mess it up, when we do something that we know we shouldn't do, right? Because it makes it kind of feel bad. So we don't beat ourselves up and instead say, okay, well, next time, let's make a different choice, right? Uh, but we don't like keep beating ourselves up for days and weeks and months as, as many people do. And so I think that are really key um, I love that. And, and yeah. I think you, you said next time we'll make a different choice. And I, I would add to that, maybe, 
you know, I, I think we're constantly trying to push ourselves to this idea of what's best for us. And I think one thing I really like is to encourage people to keep asking the question because I do think there's also a place for, you know, letting down some of some of that and like, you know, having some wine with some friends and, you know, enjoying some chocolate or whatever that might be. But and this is where we get to keep navigating is, is what do I want to create in my experience? We know that everything we take in, whether that's consuming food or, or medicine or supplements or, or, or what we consume mentally, our thoughts, our relationships, everything that we take in is influencing our body, our physiology, physically, mentally, energetically. And so um, I really encourage people just to keep asking the question is, is what do I want? What do I want to create? Because maybe for some people that is, you know, going out and having fun and doing different things. I think that's going to look very different for different people. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a curiosity as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important point. Tiffany on a show, we always love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone from a learning and from a growth so do you have a favorite failure throughout your life or your career? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, failures. Gosh. I, I don't, I can't think of one specifically that stands out, but what I will say is, and it's something that I remind my teachers of a lot, is our struggles are in many ways our greatest asset, assets. Like for me in particular, I don't, I don't know that this is a failure, but um, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I, I had a herniated disc and, and uh, it's been quite a while now. And at the time it was, it was devastating, but it was also what really spurred me to create yoga medicine and to be able to kind of shift my mindset and how I was helping people and how I was approaching my practice. And it was in many ways, some of the, one of the greatest gifts I've had too. And so for me, I, I think I've kind of shifted my mentality. I really like the struggles. I like the challenges because they, they are the practice and, and our capacity. Like it's great to be able to sit in a yoga room with, you know, maybe nice music playing and soft bolsters or whatever that might be a perfect situation. But to me, the practice really happens in the challenges when we're stressed out, when we're irritated at someone, when we, you know, when we're overloaded and we have too much to do it, that's when the practice really begins. That's, yes. that's the challenge. You know, and so the failures are, are in quotes, to me, are the, the learning experiences and that ability to really use that as, as fuel to shift and change and, and, again, notice some of these things. So, you know, for me in the back issue, it was kind of noticing the things that I was doing that were contributing to that and, and really paying attention to, you know, how I could shift that as well. So I think they're an important as many people, important learning experience. It's more just shifting our awareness of, ooh, I have something new to chew on now, <laughs> which is hard if you're in pain. But um, it can be, I think, really provocative in, in our evolution as humans. Yeah, for sure. And I, I truly believe that the meditation and other self-development practices really are the best practice for life. Because the, the goal at the end of the day, right, is not just to sit and peace and happiness and total bliss by yourself when you're you know, in the nice and cushioned seat with music playing, but it's really in the back of the bus, right? Or in the midst of chaos at work or your kids screaming at you. It's when you can keep the calm in those moments. That's, I, I believe, when you truly have succeeded at, at making this part of who you are, of, of the very existence of your life. And so, yeah, I absolutely love this, what, what you're mentioning here. 
and, and I think that's a lot easier said than done. So yes. I just want to encourage people listening. I, I think it's easy to hear some of what I'm saying too and think, oh gosh, well, that's a nice, <laughs> that's a nice thing to think about. But the reality of that is quite difficult. And and the reality is that we all struggle with this for the for our lifetime, yeah. you know. And so again, I think that that curiosity and that noticing brings us back to like this moment, of, you know. As I notice these things happening, because I get stressed out, I get caught up in the emotions. We, you know, we all go there, and it's that that moment of being able to kind of almost laugh at our humanness that kind of takes us back to that place. And 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 then, you know, as as a healthcare provider, I think really empowering people to remind them that they are, they are their own best advocate. And I, I think this is really important because in, in healthcare, it's, it's such a burnout is such a big issue right now and, and, and has been for a long time. And I think part of that is because a lot of times as healthcare providers, we're, we're trying so hard to get this shift to happen, but a lot of times people are coming in and just wanting a quick fix. And, yeah. and I think, it's really important. One of my goals in, in my entire career was really empowering patients with tools that they can use and empowering my yoga students as well with tools that they can use to navigate their experience. And so what I want to call to, to listeners is, is to know that you have the capacity to shift this. Now, it doesn't mean that all your problems are going to go away. It doesn't mean that instantly things are going to feel better, but that as I mentioned before, things are always changing and it's up to me to kind of start to navigate my own experience, which is, you know, the cards that I've been dealt, which is my DNA, my, my physicality, my physiology, my psychology. Um, but I have the, the power to influence that. And I think it's, it's such an important thing. I, I hope that, that everyone <laughs> will recognize their capacity to optimize their health and their experience in this world, in this lifetime. Love that. So if you could give our listeners just one challenge or one action step to take away from this today, what would be that one thing to really help them maximize the energy, the health, the vibrancy? Ooh, interesting. Um, how about this? One I really love is the check-in when you're brushing your teeth. That's something we all do every day. And so here's what I'll call for you guys. And, and you can start whether you do yoga or you've never done yoga before is that moment in the morning when you're brushing your teeth is taking a moment first just to notice your breath, which is a lot of times the, the foundation of a lot of meditation practices is just sitting, closing your eyes or not closing your eyes, but noticing the natural movement of the breath without regulating it, being able to be an observer to the experience in the body. And, and so as you're brushing your teeth, notice your breath without changing it. Can you notice it? Is it possible to notice it? Can you notice, is it quicker? Is it slower? Is it deeper? And then taking a moment for yourself to, to notice what it is you really need that day, because we all have a list of, of to, a to-do list, right, of, of certain things we have to maybe, maybe have to get done. And that's okay, but can I go through my day with that purpose in mind? And if, if that is really needing some nourishment, or if I'm feeling really worn down and I need some energy, how do I kind of manage that energy output? And it doesn't need to be anything specific other than just being conscious of, you know, I need to take care of myself today. I can go through these meetings but maybe I'm just going to sense this awareness of energy management or take some time at the end of my day. And, and how that shows up might be very different for different people. And that's up to your interpretation. But that morning check-in, I think, is a really helpful way to start out your day. Of first, just noticing the breath as a, as a way to just notice without having to change so that you kind of enter this kind of open, more truthful um, 
conversation with yourself and then asking the question of, of what do I need today? And, and that could be a lot of different things. It could be very specific or it could be very general and, and allowing it sometimes just to be a question too. And maybe it's a question that you explore through your day. But I think that that check-in is a, is a nice preparation for the day as well. And it doesn't have to be long, right? You brush your teeth for maybe a couple minutes. <laughs> so you have a, just a brief period, but a reminder too. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely love this idea. Now, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? Yeah, um, everything's on yogamedicine.com. And I will just mention, I've, I've spent my career really working with patients and training yoga teachers, as, as I've mentioned before. And we have a, a new platform now where I'm actually sharing that with students. So there's um, an educational platform and, and, a, and a class platform really aimed at, at anyone who wants to optimize their health, uh, with a, a platform that's really informed by both science and research that provides uh, uh, more purposeful yoga practices that are really outcome focused so that, you know, as you become more familiar with your experience in your body, you can start to pick and choose what you need. And, and what I love about this is I, I used to teach a lot of in-person classes. And, and one thing I loved was over, over the months and years, you know, students would, would learn and really start to inhabit their own body awareness and empowerment of, of navigating, you know, their health and wellness. And what I love about these online resources is now anyone can come and do that. So yeah. um, it's practice.yogamedicine.com or you can just go to yogamedicine.com and, and, and check out all the classes and educational resources there. Love that. Now, what does it mean for you to max out your life? Hmm. Well, I really believe that every person has a, a natural, you know, strength and inherent strength and capacity. We're all given our, our unique capacity and, and, and strengths. And I think the thing that's really interesting to me is, is one, being able to, you know, we talked about the non-judgmental attention of being able to see clearly what those things are, but then supporting my, once I've, once I've found my, my purpose or my strength or my passion is really being able to support my health and wellness so that I can focus on that because, you know, I have to have good energy levels. I have to have good focus and concentration. And um, obviously my health is supportive of that physiologically and, so, you know, for me, optimizing health and wellness and, and, and maxing out our lives is, is really about supporting our natural capacity to do our work in this lifetime. And, you know, it really is about us each showing up to serve our families and our communities in our own way, because we all have these important inherent gifts to share with the world. And then remembering that our work is to be of service, regardless of what your job is. I think the stress is sometimes getting caught up in um, performing or doing this thing. But if we look at our life's work as a service to the world and the community, um, not only does it start to um, shift how we see things, it takes a lot of the stress and resistance off of our shoulders too, yes. so that we get to just show up, do our best, offer what we're great at, and then support our health and our wellness so that we can do <laughs> as, much as, we, as much as we want to. Love that so much. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Max. All right, guys, that's it for today. 
I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, a friend, a loved one maybe, that you think could benefit from this content, please consider you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.